We had uh, a lot of unexpected signings this past week, and uh, maybe we'll incorporate that in a later episode. Uh, but they weren't the guys that we were waiting on to sign. The guys we were waiting on to sign were Miko Rantanen, Patrick Laine, and Kyle Connor, the final three RFAs. And of course, when we had more than enough to talk about last week, they all signed. So we're talking about them this week. Episode 187 of the Lace Em Up podcast starts right now. And now, it's time to lace them up. Here's Brett and Steve. Welcome to the show, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Steve Ellsworth. I'm Brett Duboff. Uh, before we go any further, a uh, couple of congratulatory notes and uh, then a couple of housekeeping notes. First off, congrats to Eric Carlson and his wife, Melinda, on yep. the birth of their baby girl. Both Melinda and the baby are doing well. That's awesome news to hear. Uh, congrats to Chris Phillips, who will be getting his number retired by the Sens later this season. And congrats to John Tavares, the not surprisingly new captain for the Toronto Maple Leafs. And these are the types of topics that we would normally tackle in the rapid fire section. But um, Brett had a bit of a revelation last week and um, I'm surprised it kind of took me three years to realize this. Our podcasts are just too damn long. Yep. So uh, we're changing that. Um, the podcasts moving forward are gonna be shorter this means that the outlook of the show is going to change yep. not drastically but kind of um we're still going to be talking about the bruins and sense not as regularly though it won't be a weekly bruins sense feature it's going to be more occasional than a weekly feature yep. um we have a dormant lace them up podcast blog that hasn't really been used for much of anything since early 2018 maybe i'll get that up and running if i want to talk about my sense or brett wants to talk about his bruins um maybe i'll um put forth some audio uh monologues about the sense who yep. knows um but on this podcast we're probably going to keep it to one or two topics per episode and we're still going to have the main topic and we're going to try and keep it as informative and as entertaining and as fun for you guys as we can because as tough as it is to record like a two or three hour episode, who is really going to hear a two to three hour episode? Right. Probably you guys. So um, yeah. it's definitely going to be a change, but it's a change we're both embracing and we're both excited for. And we hope you are too. And if you want us to make some changes or consider some other stuff, feel free to email us, laceupbag at gmail.com or tweet at us. Um, we want to hear from you. We are welcome to your suggestions, but uh, moving forward, the podcast is going to sound shorter, but hopefully better than before. So on that note, Brett, um, I'll turn it over to you if you want to add a few things. Yeah, I, you know, you pretty much said what it is. I mean, so basically we're getting rid of the rapid fire. We're getting rid of the um, the Bruin Send segment, and we're also getting rid of uh, like you know, the, I think sometimes we'd have an are they for real section or, uh, um, 
a uh, you know a, a, a uh, what was the other one that we did? It was oh, a top the power three rankings, the top three, bottom three. Um, so we're getting rid of that that stuff. Although, like you know, maybe we'll cover two topics. So maybe one of those topics will be like um, rapid would be rapid fire or would be a part of a rapid fire. But um, yeah. but yeah, I I think it was more like. I, I did have a revelation. It was more like I just realized like last, you know, last week when we when we recorded for three hours, I was just like, you know, I'm not having fun anymore. And I, I do want to have fun here on this podcast, you know, at this point where we're just trying to, you know, talk about hockey. It's something that we both can clearly talk for hours about. But yeah, um, as we demonstrated. <laughs> but I was, uh, you know, when I was talking to other people where I was saying like, yeah, I recorded a three-hour podcast last night, and they're, they're just going like, Brett, that's insane. And I'm like, yeah, I guess it is a little insane. So um, it made me realize that, okay, things have to change. And I, the way I'm thinking about it is more that, uh, you know, it's kind of like a, we're rebuilding. We're, you know, we're, uh, we're a rebuilding team. Um, you know, we, we know, we know that there are some things that are working for us. We're still going to be talking in depth about uh, various hockey topics, but you know we're just retooling. We're not, we're not going to you know we may not win the cup this year, but maybe somewhere in the future down the line we will be just because of these moves that we make right now. So yeah, and and let's be perfectly clear: no one's telling us to do this. No, no one is pulling the strings behind the scenes. Well, this mean, podcast is run by me and Brett and nobody else. Well, yeah, of well, course. Except except you guys that listen to it. Of yeah, course, of course. It. And uh, you know, hopefully, uh, hopefully you guys uh, listen as well um, and appreciate these changes as well. But um, you know, at this point, I think both me and Steve are just doing it this for fun and getting yeah. our thoughts out there. Um, we love you guys, but uh, um, I think at this point we're we're just doing it what what we want to be doing. So, um, yeah. and uh, I think now, there there are going to be like maybe yeah. like draft shows or yeah, those will know, take like longer. Free agency sure. signings and trade deadline stuff that will go beyond two hours. Those are you know exceptions to the rule, but of regular course. podcast. 40 minutes to an hour is what we're shooting. Yep, exactly. So, uh, so yeah, so this week we were going to, like, we were going to put this on last week's show, and we promised that we'll talk about it this week. So, uh, this these signings happened a couple weeks ago, uh, two weeks ago, in fact. Um, but we, uh, we decided to, but we promised you guys that we were going to talk about it um, the next week. So, we're going to go forth and do that. Um, I think next week we'll probably do like a predictions episode or, or something yeah. or just like early season uh, thoughts or whatever. So we're going to start with, um, so there were three big signings that happened last week. Uh, it was uh, Miko Rantanen signed um, and then we had uh, Patrick Laine and Kyle Connor signing um, pretty soon after. Well, actually, Patrick Laine was the first to sign, but um, and then Mika Rantanen signed almost like a, I think like a day later. Um, yeah, and then like hours then, later after Rantanen, it was Connor. And then it was Connor. So, um, so these are all pretty uh, decent deals right now. But we're gonna start with Mika Rantanen because then we'll talk because Connor and Laine are kind of linked in in a 
in a way. So we're going to talk about them in their own way. Uh, but first, we're going to start off with Miko Rantanen. Uh, he's he's made he got he signed this contract. It's six years, nine point two five million um, annual average value, um, and he started the season off pretty good. Uh, he had three he has three goals in two games. Um, I think the first game he had two goals. Uh, if my recollection is right, I have him in a fa- uh, fantasy league um, where I also have Nathan McKinnon in. So that's a good thing. Yeah, in the first yeah. game he had two goals. Uh, the next game um, against the Wild, he had a goal and an assist. Um, and of course, he's like you know he's a big part of that threesome with McKinnon and Landeskog. Um, I remember, I think I was talking about this before, and I think there were some reports that Sackick just didn't want Rantanen to be, like he wanted uh, Nathan McKinnon to be the highest paid player. Um, and when McKinnon, you know, when McKinnon signed that, it was, uh, you know, a big deal because it was $6.3 million. But now that's like probably like the biggest bargain um in all of the league right now so yeah right right yeah. right up there with brad marshall for so sure. it looks like you know sack kind of caved but like it was a stupid um hill to die on in the first place so it's like everyone knew that he wasn't going to you know mika rantanen wasn't going to be making six million um because uh because the market's gone up since um mckinnon has signed that and even still, I think back then it wasn't um, it wasn't like the high, it wouldn't have made him the highest paid center or whatever because uh, they just they just signed him to a cheaper deal. Um, but anyways, like Miko Rantanen is still a good player, um, a great player in fact, um, and um, he's even better when he's on McKinnon's line because they make each other really good. Um, and uh, he's a big part of why the Colorado is a good team um, and, and, a, and a dangerous team at that. So, um, yeah, I, I like this move. It is like 9.5 is still kind of, um, you know, a little bit less than what I expect. But um, it's still, you know, I, I, I'd say it's, it's, pretty, it's a pretty good deal, especially if he gets like... 60 plus points every year um yeah so what what is your thoughts on this deal well first of all cheaper than mitch marner of I course think that's yeah. a big win for abs fans yeah. is you didn't pay mitch marner money to keep miko rantanen true and you keep him for the same term so you save a bit of money in that regard um i don't know if you remember that avalanche team a couple of years ago with duchene and landis cog and mckinnon and Brantonen as a rookie where their on-ice product was one of the worst that the NHL has seen as far as last place teams go. This this team looked terrible on the ice. And um, they, for whatever reason, with all that all-star power, just couldn't score. And they were relying at times with uh, Calvin Pickard in nets. And it, it was just not a fun year in Colorado. And... That was close to the end of the line for Matt Duchesne because uh, early in the next season, uh, he was traded to the Sens, which we all know how that turned out. Um, 
But in that 2016-17 season where the Avs struggled to score goals, Miko Rantanen as a rookie was one of the bright spots on that Avs team. He finished in a tie for third on the Avalanche with 38 points in 75 games. Uh, That's only 15 points less than the team leader on that team. That's how bad the Avs were that year. Um, He also got 20 goals. 20 goals for any rookie, you know, that's pretty good. Um, 11 via the wrist shot. And he was also 10th on the roster in average time on ice per game. And only two players spent more time on the power play than Miko Ranton. And he had over 200 power play minutes in his rookie season. The thing about the Colorado Avalanche that's key to note is back then, they ranked 15th out of 30 teams in power play time as a team. They weren't really getting that much time on the power play, and that's very noteworthy because in the two years since that awful year, Colorado ranks first in total power play time as a team, first in the league, and they were 15th during that god-awful season. So if you're wondering, you know, why are Mika Ranson and Nathan McKinnon so good on the power play? It's because Colorado gets a lot of time to work with on the power play, and McKinnon and Ranson are talented, and that's exactly what you would expect with two talented players playing a lot of time on the power play. You expect goals, you expect points. And um, Miko Rantanen, over the past two years, has really, really delivered for the Colorado Avalanche. Um, his sophomore season, he had 84 points in 81 games, second on the club, top 20 score in the league, one goal shy of 30 on the year, 12 power play goals, top 10 power play point getter uh, in the league as well. Not even the NHL's top 100 in shots on goal, as a matter of fact, and he still almost got 30 goals. Um, And then we get to last season where he gets 87 points. He's nearing 1.2 points per game, remaining a top 20 score in the league. This time um, he made the 30 goal list. He got 31 and continued to be a deadly force on that power play over 300 minutes of ice time on the power play for a second straight year. And just taking a look at his stats from the first half of the season, he had 65 points in his first 42 games. At the start of the year, like he was the first to 30, first to 40, first to 50, one of the first to 60. Like it was just a meteoric rise in the first half of the season, like the the dude had like 60 points before January 1st, which is absolutely crazy. So it it was one heck of a year for Miko Rantanen. It continued in the 2019 playoffs. He was a point per game performer with the Avs there. Um, One of the best postseason showing since Sackick and Forsberg in 2002. Um, Just a meteoric rise for this kid out of Finland and he got paid accordingly when you lead uh, the NHL in scoring or at least have a share of the NHL scoring lead for 66 straight days you will get paid accordingly and Miko Rantanen's reward is over nine million per year for the next six years here's why this deal is so important because Nathan McKinnon is going to be a UFA in three years. 
I look at Nathan McKinnon's stats and I look at Miko Rantanen's stats and Miko was getting all this power play time and Miko Rantanen's never hit 200 shots on goal. Nathan McKinnon has hit and surpassed 200 shots on goal more than just once in his NHL career. In fact, I, he had well over 300 last yeah. year. Nathan McKinnon in three years will be the highest paid player on the Colorado Avalanche. And that is why it was so important for Joe Sackick not to overpay for Miko Rantanen. Because if he overpaid for Miko Rantanen, Nathan McKinnon wants more than Miko Rantanen. So whatever Sackick gives Rantanen, mm-hmm. he's probably going to give McKinnon plus a bit extra. True. So if you give Miko Rantanen over $10 million a year or $11 million per year, all of a sudden, the price tag for McKinnon is like 11 or $12 million. And unlike the Rantanen case, McKinnon can sign wherever he wants. Yeah. And there will be teams that will pay that kind of money for Nathan McKinnon. Of course. And the thing, yeah, that's a good point about McKinnon. I mean, the good news is that McKinnon's going to be a free agent in four years in 2023, 2024. So, you, you know, you have, you have about four years of, you know, without worrying about this. Although Landis is going to be a UFA in two years. Um, but that, like, it seems like Rantanen and McKinnon are the better player of the three on that top line. Um, but yeah, no, you're right. It seems like McKinnon, um, like if Rantanen or Landeskog were injured, like McKinnon will be okay. Whereas I don't know if you can say the same for Rantanen or Landeskog uh, if McKinnon was injured. Um, and uh, it seems like those, like what I'm trying to say is it, like McKinnon makes Landeskog and Rantanen that much more bet, that much more better, that much better. Um, <laughs> in the in the long run um so yeah i i think it makes sense and also the other on the other note in terms of mckinnon um is like you know now the highest paid player or what panarin is making is like 10.5 million uh mcdavid i guess a a better comparable would be mcdavid because he's a center um and obviously he's not like McKinnon's not McDavid, but he's you know he's pretty he's pretty close to him. Um, and uh, McDavid's making twelve million um, now, um, but like you know it depends on if the market's going up. So maybe like when McKinnon's going to be a UFA in twenty twenty three, like the highest paid center will be will be making like fourteen million or fifteen million. Um, and stuff like that, but it's, um, and that's what, that's what's going to be in turn what McKinnon should be making, uh, because he should be making that much money, um, or be paid like the highest paid center. Um, and, and so I think, but the good news for the Colorado Avalanche is, is that they don't really have to worry about it until two years from now when they have to worry about a land of contract. But at the moment, they you know they can uh, they have a good window right now. They have a good player in Kale McCarr. Uh, Grubauer looks like he's pretty good too, although he may be a little bit inconsistent. It's tough to see how he plays in a full year as a starter. But you know, at the same time, they have a good team. Um, so 
so it makes sense to just lock up their their two best players long term and uh, deal with the aftermath later. Yeah, and and that's and that's a, another thing that you bring up. Uh, um, there are two other things I liked about the Rantanen contract: the fact that it was for six years. I'm glad they didn't go the three-year bridge deal route like uh, the Flames went with um, Matt Kachuk and what the what the Lightning did with Braden Point. Because in the case of the Calgary Flames, they're going to have to sign Kachuk and Goudreau at the same time. In Columbus, you have the same issue with Renski and Jones in three years, where you're going to have to sign both of them. And one of those guys is a free agent and can sign absolutely anywhere he wants. They avoid that by getting this six-year deal with Miko Rantanen. They avoid that uh, sort of headache with with uh, Rantanen and with McKinnon. And if you look at the first three years of Miko Rantanen's deal, he's getting like the bulk of his money in the first three years. It's at least ten million uh, in years one, two, and three. And then it's, I don't think it's, um, let, let me just take a look at the um, the numbers here. I have them right here. Okay, so year one, 12 million. Year two, 12 million. Year three, 10 million. Six, 9.5, and six. Years four, five, and six. So it, it, it it's a bit less once you get past year three. So Joe Sackick is already looking further ahead into the history of the Colorado Avalanche, he's he knows it's probably wise to get the bulk of the ransom and money out of the way so that when it comes time to give McKinnon what he wants, it won't completely screw over his cap. Right. Which is very proactive by Joe Sackett because on top of signing Landis Cog, on top of signing McKinnon in, a, in like three, four years, however long it is, you also are probably going to have to give Kale McCarr a new contract at some point and Bowen Byron and you know Sam Gerrard will have a couple of years left on his deal by the time um, Nathan McKinnon is going to be uh, projected UFA as well and you know you'll also have guys like JT Confer and Tyson Yost as well so it's, it's it goes beyond their top line um, when it comes to the Colorado Avalanche and their long-term success. And we've seen teams like Chicago who have signed their core players to big long-term contracts, and it looked good in the short term, but in the long term, it doesn't look as great. So um, I, I definitely think Joe Sackick needs to continue to be wise with how he spends his money. And uh, I think he spent it wisely on this Rantanen deal. I think... It comes close to full value, and it I don't think it's to the point where they're overpaying him at all. So um, I, I like this move for a number of reasons. Um, it it, um, it uh, avoids a couple of future headaches, and Joe Sackick isn't out of the woods yet, but he's kind of helped his situation. I also think that this signing continues to make the Mitch Marner contract look like a bit of an overpay from the Leafs standpoint yep. which if you're Kyle Dubas isn't great yeah I mean a lot of all these uh actually that's a good segue <laughs> for what we're about to talk about next because uh you know Rantanen uh Connor Line um Point they all ended up making much less than what Marner was being paid for um 
And so it makes the lead, like all those, if you add all those contracts together, it's like, okay, Marner is being way overpaid um, because they're all comparable players um, in a way. Um, but especially for Rantanen, I guess, because Rantanen's a winger um, and you could make the case that he is, um, you know, like their center um, is making them better. Um, Okay, let's go to the our next topic here, uh, because uh, that is our uh, Patrick Laine and Kyle Connor here deal. Um, Patrick Laine signed first, so I'm going to talk about him first. Um, yep. He he, uh, he gets a bridge deal, um, and and like we were talking about all the other ones with Rantanen and Connor and uh, Marner. They all get like long-term contracts that are going to take them to their UFA stage. But for Line, uh, he gets um, a two-year deal, six point seven five million. Um, I I feel like this is one of those things where they, because Patrick Line has had an interesting season last year. Where I mean, yeah, if like just on a, any player, thirty goals is, you know, actually a pretty good season. But when you compare him to like his first two years in the league, where he gets 44 goals and 36 goals um, and 70 points and 64 points, it's like, okay, like you know, he took kind of like a downgrade from last year. But even still, like 50 points in 82 games and 30 goals is pretty good, um, or a pretty good floor for him. Um, so it makes sense to to put him at a to have a bridge deal like that just to make sure that he's not going to regress even further than what he did already um so far i mean winnipeg's kind of a bit of a mess right now but um so far he has two assists which has been his biggest complaint is like you know he doesn't assist a lot and he's more goal focused uh, so far in two games he only has two assists and no goals so far so that's encouraging of course it's only two games small sample size and all that but um that's pretty that's pretty good if he he's like he, it looks like he's changing his game already um but uh i i do think that like obviously i don't i'm not always happy about bridge deals and stuff like that but for a guy like patrick line i think it does make sense because um he could be making so much more if he had a great season last year and uh, now it's time for him to prove that he is worth uh, what Marner's making, what Connor's making, what Rantanen's making and that will be something down the line in two years where uh, the Jets will have to figure it out. I mean, of course he's going to be an RFA so it's not like he's going to be making market value but he could be making what Kyle Connor ends up making or what uh, what Ranton ends up making, or even what Marner ends up making, because um, because he is that um, because he could be a legitimate player if he breaks out these next two years. Um, yeah, so uh, I guess uh, we let's talk about Line a first. I'll talk about Kyle Connor afterwards. Um, well, first we'll let you talk about Line a, then we'll talk about Connor. And then we'll talk about the Jets as a whole. So what do you have on Patrick Laine? Well, uh, his rookie season 
you really saw that Patrick Line um, has a lot of upside as an NHLer, and his shot is on paper just as lethal as Ovechkin. Yep. He's got that unstoppable shot where no matter how much you prepare for it as a goalie, it'll still beat you. And the thing with Patrick Laine's shot is it's a work in progress, but still in year one, he was in the NHL's top 10 goal scorers. He had 36 goals on 204 shots. So that's a shooting percentage over 17%. That's pretty good. Um, He was alternate between Shifley and Little at even strength in that first year, but uh, on 30 of Patrick Laine's 50 even strength points, Mark Shifley was on Patrick Laine's line. So um, you could make the case that Mark Shifley kind of helped Patrick Laine in that regard. But still, with the shot like that, Patrick Laine is going to get his goals if you just give him the puck. And you look at year two where you might see a sophomore slump, but then Patrick Laine is just like, nah, man, I'm going to score 44 goals. And he does. And right up until the end of the season, he's in contention for the Rocket Richard, ends up finishing second in that race, five behind Ovechkin for the league lead. And he took 241 shots on goal in a full 82-game season. And that's impressive because Alex Ovechkin, who, again, won the Rocket Richard, racked up a league-leading 355 shots. So that's 114 shots more than Patrick Laine over the same amount of games played that season. And Patrick Laine is still five goals behind Alex Ovechkin for the league lead. That's pretty good. Um... And everyone's talking about, oh, you know, Brayton Point, 20 power play goals in a season. That's incredible. You know, like probably Ovechkin's done that, nobody else. Well, actually, there was someone that did it after Ovechkin in 2014-15, and it wasn't Brayton Point. It was Patrick Laine in his second year. And that's so impressive because um, Patrick Laine um was able to do that with fewer shots on goal than alex ovechkin and Braden point didn't even get 200 shots on goal last year which you know all the power to him but patrick line was pretty efficient at scoring goals on the power play in year two so when this guy's got a clicking as you saw in the month of november last season when when he starts to get on a groove it doesn't really matter how many shots he takes um, he can score a bucket full of goals and and do so with not as many shots because Patrick Laine just has that shot that you don't see out of too many NHLers. And in year two, to add to the point why you should put him on the top, top line, he spent more time with Blake Wheeler than he did with Mark Scheifele. And Blake Wheeler is just as good as Mark Scheifele. Right. Um, then you get to year three, and I think the problem that people have with last year is that it was so inconsistent. Yep. You had 18 goals in November over a 12-game span. That means Patrick Line got 12 goals the rest of the season. In between November and onwards and all of October, he had 12 goals the rest of the season, which isn't really all that great. And you you compare his stats to a lot of the RFAs that were still sticking around in September, 
Brock Besser played in fewer games than Patrick Laine, still got more points. Um, didn't reach 30 goals, but he was pretty close to Patrick Laine's 30 goals. Um, so it's last year was very difficult for Patrick Laine in a lot of respects, but he showed enough for the past two years why the Jets would be foolish not to keep him around. So they yep. gave him a two-year deal just to kind of get a bigger sample size of Patrick Laine and what he actually is. Because mm. when you've been in the league for three years, you have two great years and one not-so-good year. It's really tough to judge who a player is and what he can be. Like, look at Mika Zibanejad with Ottawa. Yeah. He didn't He didn't look that promising, and then he goes to the Rangers, and all of a sudden it's not, he, he, he turns into this pretty good guy for the New York Rangers and frick, playing like he's going to win the freaking scoring title this year, which we'll talk about Lots. in, I'm sure, future episodes because Mika Zibanejad is um, – just starting to evolve into a very good NHL player. But back before that trade was made, Sabanichad wasn't really showing enough of the skill that made him a top 10 pick. He was four, five, six years into his NHL career. It was very tough at that point to determine even what Mika Sabanichad was at that point. So you know what Patrick Laine can be, but you don't know 100% what he is. So the Jets are basically buying themselves some time. They're giving Patrick Laine another two years to prove his point. And there's there's this article, this very interesting article from Mike Kelly, and I forward this to Brad did, off yes. the air. It's called Shot Optimization. It's um, if you follow the point at the point hockey on Twitter. Wait, uh, they also before, have a you, too. before you they, get into and, that. And, can I yeah, so, uh, can I just uh, say one thing before you get into this other point? Yeah. Um, the uh, so I uh, first off, um, like uh, it's interesting because he uh, because he did have a bad year for him last year. Um, there's a couple of notes that I wanted to say before you go further um, onto your point. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, first off, for your Zibanejad thing, it's it's only two games, so it, like relax a little. <laughs> yeah, I, I know it's only two. Games. I, I know I'd probably be feeling the same way if Sagan had two hat tricks in in two games, but just relax for a bit. Um, secondly, um, uh, I noticed that he has a like I I usually don't take too much into account for plus minus, but uh, last year he had a minus twenty four. Um, as a yeah. plus minus, uh, that's, uh, I mean, like, you know, usually uh, the reason why I don't take too much into account for plus minus is, um, just cause it's a, you know, it, it doesn't true, like it doesn't count power play time. It doesn't count for, uh, what you might call it. You don't, it doesn't count for power play time. Like sometimes it could not like, you know, just the player seems to be on the ice, but it, he may not have done anything wrong, but when there's like a staggering stat like that with minus 24 as a plus minus, you're just like, um, something's, something's off in, in that sense. So, uh, so that's where it, it does raise a little bit of an eyebrow where you're like, okay, this does not seem right. Um, however, 
I've noticed that he still gets a lot of hits. Like he gets, he had 70 hits in 82 games last year. Um, he had 74 hits um, the previous year in 82 games. Um, yeah, he had, he had 80, 80 hits in 73 hit, uh, 73 games. So like, yeah, it, it may like seem like he's not great defensively, but if he's getting hits like that, um, just like on out of like a normal forward who usually gets around like 60, 60 hits uh, a season, like, yeah. you know, that just shows that he's still contributing and he's still like doing something defensively. Um, there was talk last year as well as him like not being on the top line and supposedly he's complaining about not being on the top line. But yeah. um, so maybe that has something to do with uh, it, but it's still like um, an interesting thing. And then last time um, we did talk about this before on a show, but I do want to remind everyone since 2016, when Patrick Line entered the league, uh, Patrick Line has is sixth um, in goals um, since 2016. Uh, only Ovechkin, Kucherov, Matthews, McDavid, and Tavares have more um, than Line A does right now. So that's like, you know, so even though he had a bad season last year, um, like only, let me look at that list again. Only uh, Matthews, um, only Matthews has more, uh, is the only player there who hasn't, um, you know, who was a rookie at that time. Um, everyone else, um, Ovechkin, Kucherov, McDavid, partially, um, and John Tavares, they've all been like well-established players. So it's like no surprise that they were able to, I get that many goals, but like in three seasons, Line A and Matthews have that many goals in, and they're still like on top of the league, even with Line A's bad, poor season um, in goals. Like that's just impressive, and it just shows how good Line A can be um, when he's scoring. So I think like the thing that Line A needs to do is he needs to work on his defensive game. I mean, obviously, as I was mentioning, I don't take too much into account of plus minus, but, um, you know, if he can, like, at the moment, he seems to be just a one-dimensional one player. So if he can assist on a couple more points, if he can uh, contribute um, with defensive stuff, then I think then he'll he'll be able to be, like, Compare like legitimately compared to Ovechkin instead of being like a poor man's Ovechkin kind of thing. Mm, yeah. Um, so, anyways, go back to your um, article that you were talking about. Yeah. So um, you, you can find it uh, at the Points Twitter account at the Point Hockey. Uh, you can give Mike Kelly a follow as well. Uh, Mike Kelly is like I I love what Mike Kelly brings to the table yep. because he talks about stuff that we wouldn't even think of talking about and you're and it just makes you go hmm that's interesting i i didn't i didn't think of that when it when it comes to like goal scoring slumps and stuff like that and he wrote this article about shot optimization we'll probably bring it up in the podcast a couple of times throughout the season because um it, it's a very interesting topic but in the latest article he wrote he talked about why patrick line struggled last season Part of the reason is it seems that once he gets the puck, he doesn't think where it's going. He just lets it rip. 
he just sees the puck shoot right away yep and you take a look at a lot of the shots that he's missed like he missed over 100 shots in each of the past two seasons he missed 80 as a rookie and he missed a lot of shots on the power play too so imagine if patrick line can become a very efficient shooter one of the most efficient shooters in the game and you look at all the missed shots last year and he got 30 goals imagine if he becomes more accurate imagine how good of a goal scorer he can be yeah. so there's a bit of upside to patrick line's game that we haven't seen that hopefully we'll see in a couple of years and then maybe get and then maybe then the jets are gonna pay him i just look at their defense though and, and we'll probably yeah, talk about we'll this talk when about we talk about Kyle connor i look at their defense and i'm thinking even if patrick line does well is his is his future with the team really clear if they need yeah. help on defense yeah we'll we'll talk about the the jets uh struggles at um after we talk about kyle connor uh he gets a uh an eight-year deal Oh, no, seven-year deal, sorry. Uh, 7.142 million annual average value. It's kind of an oddly specific year, uh, <laughs> annual average value. But if you, uh, I guess if you times that number by seven, it's 50 million. So that's that's where that number comes from. So 50 million is more digestible. 50 million for seven years. Um, this I, I like this deal as well, considering what, uh, Rantanen got and what uh, uh, what's his face got Marner got um, but uh, you know what's his face um, but still like you know science for almost 11 million yeah. what's that guy's name again yeah exactly <laughs> um, he you know last two years he gets uh, he has like 30 goals um, in his, uh, in his I mean I guess he played 20 games in his rookie year but Technically, he was a rookie in 2017-2018 where he really got yeah. going. 31 goals there, 34 goals in 2018. He kind of like, you know, I mean, sure, a lot of his um, a lot of his points were because he's playing with Shifley and Wheeler. But in a way, he is a big reason why Patrick Liney is not getting top line minutes um, yep. because he's been that good for uh for the uh, the Winnipeg Jets and um and when he gets these opportunities he's able to you know be that point producer for them um and you know uh he has one goal in two games so far um although he's a minus two and you know how much I love plus minus now uh but um you know he uh you know he works well I think it's um, you know, going back to this top line thing is like we found out like, like all last season that Wheeler, Shifley, and Connor are a good line and they um, and they match up well with like even like Rantanen, the, the Rantanen line, the McKinnon line in uh, Colorado or the Bergeron line in Boston. They're, you know, so they they have some good chemistry together to the point um, which I guess we'll get into in a, in a bit, but uh, to the point where I guess Paul Maurice is kind of stubborn about it, uh, where, uh, you know, he, he isn't even allowing Patrick Liney to get up on that top line because of how good th those three are together. Um, so, 
Um, that's what makes this interesting. Of course, like he is worth it, especially um, if he's you know if he uh, continues to be on that top line, on that top power play. Um, but it's uh, you know he's he's he still has Patrick Laine waiting for that chance again to be on the top line with. Although I guess. Since uh, Line is a right winger and Connor is a left winger, it's a little bit diff- different. But um, I guess he's like Ellers is another good player. Um, yep. He could be. He's waiting in the wings. So if Connor slips up, then Ellers is not a bad option up on that top line. Um, yeah. Um, what do you have on Connor? So. Kyle Connor, you you mentioned uh, the topic of um, how much options, how many options the Jets have on the wings, and Blake Wheeler is a winger himself. Um, so we'll, we'll get to that in a little bit. But you look at uh, the big name RFAs that were still sticking around at the start of September. The ones who scored at least 30 goals last year were Connor, Line 8 Point, Matthew Kachuk, and Rantanen. Kyle Connor had 227 shots, ranking him third on that list behind his teammate Line A, and of course, oh, what's his face, Mitch Marner. Um, you look at Point Ranton, they didn't even hit 200 shots, but you, those guys were getting a lot more opportunistic chances, and here's what I mean by that. You look at Colorado's right wing. Outside of Ranton, it's Don Scoy, Burakovsky, and Nick Chushkin. What are the odds any of them are going to be taking the top line spot at right wing in Colorado anytime soon over Miko Rantanen? Highly doubted. Mm-hmm. And even last year, Miko was a clear cut number one option at right wing. You look at uh, someone like Braden Point in Tampa Bay, his competition, Steven Stamkos. That's it. Yeah. The Jets have Blake Wheeler at right wing on top of Nikolai Ehlers, on top of Patrick Lenny, on top of Kyle Connor. As far as wingers in general on Winnipeg, there are a lot of quality options for them. They have three outside of Blailer on the wings, and any one of those guys can play top six minutes and score a decent amount of goals. Nikolai Ehlers has shown that, Lane has shown it, and now Kyle Connor has shown it. You look at someone like Brendan Gallagher in Montreal, who surpassed 300 shots last year, got 30-plus goals. Pretty solid achievement for a guy that didn't even average 17 minutes per game. Right. But you look at the Habs at right wing, it's Nick Suzuki, Joel Armia, and Jordan Wheel after Brendan Gallagher. Any of them going to take his spot on the top line? Highly doubt it. No. This year, you still have Ehlers, you still have Connor, you still have Lenny outside of Blake Wheeler on the wings. So the fact that Kyle Connor was able to score 30-plus goals in each of the past two seasons with all of those options on the wings is pretty good. Yep. What's also interesting about Kyle Connor is that unlike Patrick Laine, he doesn't miss the net that much. You look at his rookie season when he had 192 shots and he scored 31 goals. He posted over 200 minutes with the extra man, took 37 shots while doing so. Laine led the way on the Jets with 73 power play shots, but he missed another 37. Yep. Kyle Connor had 37 shots on target and only missed on another three shots on the power play. He only missed three power play shots. So he had 40 attempts, 37 on target, only three missed. And he missed 49 that entire rookie season. Now, 
Because he wasn't often present on the penalty kill, Kyle Connor was limited to even strength and power play time. Maybe one reason why he was six seconds shy of averaging 17 minutes. Still, that's a pretty decent yeah. rookie season. And again, in year two, he doesn't miss the net a whole lot. Off target just 18 times on the power play. 69 times all year. Over 200 shots, again, over 30 goals. And you talk about Paul Maurice' willing willingness to play Kyle Connor on the top line. Look at quarters three and four combined. 20 goals, 37 points in 41 games. Yeah. If you're the Winnipeg Jets, you're not focused on getting your superstar going. You're rolling with the hot hand because you're in a central division where it's super tight and you need to win games. Kyle Connor was the hot hand. They rode him, and he made good with the amount of ice time that he got. So um, it's interesting that they were willing to give Kyle Connor that kind of term, a bit more money than Patrick Line after those two seasons, even with the amount of potential that Patrick Line has. Kyle Connor got the long-term deal and Patrick Laine didn't. That's interesting. Yeah, and true. And also, like you mentioned, well, first, uh, you mentioned that like Kyle Connor made all his shot, made more of his shots than Laine did. And I'm looking here. Uh, Connor shot 227, or had 227 shots last year. Laine had 245 shots last year, um, and. Uh, mm-hmm. Kyle Connor had a slightly higher shooting percentage, uh, 15 sh- uh, a 15 shooting percentage, and uh, Patrick Laine had a 12.2 shooting percentage. Um, so that's like an interesting thing where they almost had the same, um, the same kind of like, um, you know, like you know Laine had more shots, but Connor ended up with more goals, which is. Uh, kind of just an interesting thing where um, where that stuff happens. Um, yeah, you were mentioning how, like, I guess this is a good segue to the uh, the Jets' woes because you were mentioning, because um, they had a strange offseason. Um, I mean, first they had to deal with, you know, signing Line A and mm-hmm. Connor. Of course, that's, like, an important because those guys should be a big part of their core uh, for years to come. Um, but... Yep. They also ended up losing Truba, Tyler Myers, uh, Ben Chiriot. Um, and then there's news that Justin Bufflin may retire. Uh, they didn't really address the, the... We were talking about how they have all these good wingers. But really, the only good center they have at the moment is Mark Shifley. Um, I mean, Brian Little's okay, but he's not like... I wouldn't say he's... I would feel like he's more of a third line center guy um, than a second line center. Um, so, so there's that. And then, um, but like, so they have two glaring issues right now. And it, and it, because it took so long to sign Connor and Line, they never were able to address how they were going to replace uh, Jacob Truba, how they were going to replace Tyler Myers. Um, I mean, of course, there's nothing really you can do with Dustin Bufflin, but even if Bufflin was playing, I feel like, you know, the Jets would still be uh, where they are right now, where they lost 6-4 to four to the Rangers in their opening day. By the way, Truba mm-hmm. had, like, three points in that game. And and then they almost lose to the, the Devils, but then they end up winning the shootout because of a freak 
uh, injury to Corey Schneider. Um, and I know that the Rangers and the Devils are supposed to be, you know, better because of all their offseason moves. But, like, this is what we're going to expect from the Jets this year. Is they're going to be, like, they're going to either lose 6-4 to four or 6-5. to five, Or they're going to, like, somehow eke it out um, and win 5-4, to 6-5. to five, Or, like, just high-scoring games um, in all these things. And that's just unfortunate because, like, we had them as a Stanley Cup. I think I had them as, I think I had them winning the Stanley Cup last year. Um, and I don't think that anymore. I, I don't even know if they're going to make the playoffs now because they, they, mm-hmm. they didn't address their defensive uh, things. I mean, sure, you have Pionk and who knows what Sammy Niku and Tucker Pullman will be once they start playing. But like, um, I feel like this whole you're expecting a lot. You're expecting a lot of the other pieces too soon. Yeah, and and like they have Hinola, who they just drafted, literally just drafted, yeah. and he's like, mm-hmm. he, I mean, he's getting a couple of assists to his credit, but um, they kind of lucked out in that sense. But like, like he. Like you picked him twentieth. He's, he's thrown into the fire. Like, yeah. Right away. You you literally put him into the fire. Like it's scary that like I he, I guess he does look ready and they kind of lucked out in that sense. But like it's gotta be terrible for his development if he suddenly isn't great. And it's just like mm-hmm. you have to do more than like you know they're just relying on. It's basically I'm just looking at their decor. They have Morrissey. And a bunch of AHL guys. So it's like, or people they just signed a couple. I guess Pionk as well, but like it's Morrissey, Pionk, and a bunch of Manitoba Moose. So like it's that's that's where I like I I'm I guess it made sense to like um to sign Connor and Line, and that's important. Um, and of course you didn't realize that Bufflin was like considering retirement. So that's a, it's a unfortunate, but nothing really you can do there. But like, you could at least like, I mean, get more than just Pionk, um, in a thing or like, I mean, so it's just like, there's, they're struggling just due to circumstances because they had to worry about Connor and Line, which made them not likely to sign a defensive stuff. And we're not even talking about the fact that they didn't even get a, a good second-line center anymore because Kevin Hayes is gone, Paul Stasny is gone. Uh, like, who's their best, like, uh, center besides Shifley? I don't even know. <laughs> so, um, so that's where I feel like this could be, like, one of those things where, um, the uh, like, the Blues last year where... They fire um, the coach, and then all of a sudden they start playing better, or they like you know they make some move or something like that. But I think this is on Maurice and uh, Shovel Day off. Uh, I'm just gonna blame them for um, what what what's going on. Well, they're the scapegoats. You can't fire yeah. all the players. True. True. That that of course you're blaming the coach and the GM. You, there's they're they're the guys running the ship they're putting the people on the ice every single night yep. and you know what some of those circumstances 
Um, there are tough ones for Kevin Shevel to have to deal with. Um, you can make the argument he had a tougher summer than Kyle Dubas did. So, yep. um, I think all, um, even with Patrick Liney signed, I'm, I'm wondering if the Jets still trade one, away one of their wingers, and I wouldn't even rule out Patrick Liney at that point. What, what, what's your stance on that? Do you think he still gets traded even with this bridge deal? Um, that's a even tricky if thing. Bufflin re- even if Bufflin retires, they're in a tough spot on defense. Yeah. Because you I can think... get Bufflin back, and he could be hurt 10 games in, yeah. and you're basically back where you were at the start of the year. I think I... You know, it's tough because I, I, I'm uh, I'm against trading Patrick Laine. But I think in this sense, if you're going to get, like, it would depend on the deal. If you're going to get a legitimate defenseman back, um, and um, I think you could still, yeah, I think you would make that deal. I'm trying to think of a defenseman that would be worth trading Patrick Laine is. But anything less than that, I, I wouldn't do it. Um, it would have to, yeah, it would have to be like a legitimate, um, defenseman, um, and then a, um, and then like a, a first round pick or something like that. But like, I would, I would only do it if the Jets are like, you know, one of the worst teams in the league and there's like, their season is lost, um, which could happen, you know, so um, I'd only do it in that sense, I, like an, an emergency. But I, I wouldn't like rush to trade him right now. Yeah, the the, th- the thing with the Jets, and you made the Blues comparison. You know, they could easily turn things right. around. The Blues had the pieces to begin with. True. They just and, needed to get it together, and they just needed to win. Well, they had Petrangelo and Pareko. The Blue, the, right. the 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 Jets don't have that much stability on defense. True. I mean, I guess the Jets do have stuff to work on because they we, we were talking about like they do have Blake Wheeler they do have Kyle Connor they do have Nikolai Ellers they of course they have Patrick Laine so they do have good pieces in Mark Scheifele as well but like you know um it's still like you know you look at this decor Josh Morrissey has shown that he's been okay Neil Pionk could be good if in the right circumstances um like, you know, Tucker Pullman and Sammy Niku look good in the AHL, but that, you know, that doesn't always translate. Um, I feel bad for Connor Hellebuck because he's kind of, like, he's a good goaltender, but I don't know if he can, like, carry the team like that. Um, so, it's, yeah, you're right. The the glaring hole is the defense, um, but they, I, I feel like I, di- I disagree with you. I think the Jets do have the pieces there. Um, it's just, um, maybe it's not as strong as the blues, but I could see them. I feel like now we're going to like, if any team is struggling, we're going to compare them to the blues, but, (laughs) um, but yeah, no, I, I think, uh, I, I could see it happening where they like bring it together, but they need to make one big change. Um, and I'm not sure what that is just yet. Yeah, I think if they make one big change, it involves a trade and involves yep. one of their forwards, because I don't, I don't see them, um, I don't see them getting a big name for nothing. It, like especially midway through the season, it's it's just if they want to keep their season alive, they're gonna probably have to do it from within, 
and Hellebuck needs to be a Vesna caliber goalie, and they need to score their way to victory on a lot of those nights. Yep. Um, they they need to grow together. I think that's the only way they get it done this season. Okay. And if you're banking on if you're banking on next season to be better, that's probably probably next off season is when you make the changes. And again, I think the easiest way to make a change and get help on defense outside of paying premium dollars to get help on defense because there are some good names available. Um, the Jets, of course, are going to have to continue to fork over the money for a lot of their court players down the road so they got to be careful on how much they'd be willing to pay for a free agent defenseman but um if they're not going to go down that route the only way to get help on defense i think is through a trade and the jets have a lot of forwards that helps them out as as it comes to like trade bait but um you know, unless one of the Fords transitions to defense and turns out to be Dustin Bufflin 2.0. Yeah, yeah. I don't see them getting much help from within on defense outside of their prospects. Yep, for sure. All right. Uh, that's it for us now. This, this is odd. We're ending it an hour in. Um, yeah. This is, we went from the longest episode to the shortest episode. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's cool. Um, I, let's see here. You can catch us on Lace Em Up, um, is our Twitter, our Facebook, oh no, Lace M Podcast is our Twitter, our Facebook is Lace Em Up, um, and our, um, you can catch us on fa- uh, Spotify, uh, SoundCloud, um, iTunes, pretty much anywhere. Um, yeah, I'm Brett Dubuff. I'm Steve Ellsworth. We'll talk again in episode 188 of the Lace Em Up podcast. Cool.